My guest today is Nadine Fonseca, co-founder and CEO of Mighty Kind Kids. Mighty Kind is an anti-bias education publishing company, which currently publishes a quarterly children's magazine focused on kindness and compassion as a foundation for anti-bias and anti-racist learning. Mighty Kind is a Latina founded and mom run business. On the show today, we talked about how Nadine birthed the idea of Mighty Kind, how she had to go through the process of figuring out her passions and pursuing her passions while being a mother and trying to figure out how to juggle all the things of life. When asked what it means to be more than a mother, Nadine said, to me, being more than a mother means to actively seek fulfillment in many different facets of my life. There are so many different aspects of my identity and being a mother is just one of them. I think it allows me as an individual to continue to discover more about myself, shift from purpose to purpose without guilt, or at least less guilt, and seek opportunities to contribute to the world beyond raising my children. It's an invitation for adventure. Let's dive into my conversation with Nadine. Hey friends, welcome to the More Than a Mother podcast. I am your host, Lawan Moses, and I am a mom on a mission to help you master your mindset and own your time so you can make space in your busy life for your dreams and goals. Join me each week for tangible tips, tools, and strategies that you can use to show up as your personal best in motherhood, business, and life. We are helping you truly step into your own and find the freedom to do more of the things you love and enjoy without feeling guilty or overwhelmed. Hey, Nadine, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Welcome to the More Than a Mother podcast. I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Before we get started, if you could just take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Nadine Fonseca. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Mighty Kind, which is an anti-bias education company. Um, We publish uh, anti-bias education materials for kids and the grown-ups who are working with them to become global citizens. I'm a, a mother of four kids and um, wife to my middle school and high school sweetheart. So it feels like we've been together a lot longer than we have going way back. Um, I homeschool our children. And uh, although I, I hail from the San Francisco Bay Area, we are now in Austin, Texas. Wow, that's exciting. Such a journey. And I can't wait to hear more about what you're doing with Mighty Kind Kids. And yes, I'm married to my high school sweetheart, so I can relate to that as well. (laughs) I love it. Now, if you would just briefly walk us through your transformational moment or those aha moments that you had in your life that kind of put you on the path that you are on today. Yeah, so I grew up, you know, um, I'm the daughter of an immigrant. My father actually hitchhiked here when he was 16 years old from Guatemala. And he's a relatively private person and doesn't necessarily tell that story very often. In fact, I often have to kind of pry it out of him when I, you know, have a have a thirst for understanding where we come from and what his journey was to to get us to where we are today as a family. Um, but you know, the, the aha moments that I have experienced in life are very much rooted in, 
that part of my identity. And it's, it's interesting because I don't necessarily see the role that it plays until it kind of breaks through the surface. So, you know, there were many instances in my childhood where things were, you know, a little bit, I was treated a little bit differently or my family was treated a little bit differently. Um, but it wasn't until I had my own children and we moved away from the San Francisco Bay Area to a, to a much more homogenous area that I recognized um, the privilege it was to grow up around so much diversity. And without my children having that, we lost the opportunity to have kind of just these organic learning opportunities that I had been raised with. Um, and so from there, very quickly, it was a, a mad dash scramble to figure out how do I supplement? How do I figure this out? How do I make sure my kids understand who they are, where they come from, and respect other people's stories and origins and and dreams and ambitions and things like that that may be very different from their own? Um, and for them to understand the very real responsibility of their biases. You know, they're, they're not going anywhere. They're going to be with you forever in some way, shape, or form. And how do we stay cognizant and, and make sure that we are um, actively combating them by by learning more and being more. So that was kind of the aha moment was kind of a culmination of a, a childhood raised as, you know, um, a, a, the daughter of an immigrant and the daughter of a, a white American woman and, and the blending of that family. And then coming to a head with what do we do when we don't have diversity around us? How do we make sure our kids understand the importance of um respecting and appreciating differences and not only only grasping for the commonalities. So that was that was the big aha that that kind of kicked off Mighty Kind and transitioning those curated resources into something that anybody could use. And that's a fabulous story and the fact that you were able to have that kind of realization cuz I can only imagine the kind of culture shock that it was going from being in the Bay Area to Texas you're in and just how different it is. And like you said, a lot of times we take for granted that diversity that some of us grow up around because it's not a given to everyone. Right. And the fact that you were able to recognize that and see that and not only recognize it and see it, but then say, okay, what can I do about this so that we, my kids can have the best experiences possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it wasn't even just, you know, so my kids can, you know, this or that or whatever, but I also don't want my kids the ones growing up doing harm, right? Like, yes, of course, I want them to appreciate this and that and whatever. But I also want them to understand, you know, when you make a mistake, you can't always take it back. You can learn, you can do better, you can apologize, all of those things. But we also just need to be really cognizant of the choices and the words that we use and um, the, the the biases that we have, because we are a contributor for the for better or for worse. And so, how do we how do we make sure we're managing that, you know, um, on the forefront of our minds? And being the being aware of the biases that we have, I feel that right there in itself is such a deep topic because a lot of people, and it's an uncomfortable topic because a lot of people yes. don't want to talk about our biases. We don't want to talk about stereotypes. Those are those things that's like, okay, that's not water cooler conversation or those are things that you don't talk about. But I like how you've created this platform and how, as you said, where you see that, okay, it's about educating, getting that diversity out there so that we're aware of how these things impact our lives. So from your perspective, why do you feel that people don't like to talk about their biases? I think we all want to be the heroes of our own stories, right? We all, we all want to get recognition and validation and accolades for 
doing our best. You know, our, I, I don't know a single person whose life has not been a compilation of uphill battles. You know, maybe we have valleys and peaks and all of those different things, but um, I think we want credit for the good that we do. And we hope that it overshadows the bad or the negative or the misinformed or ignorant. Um, and so I, th I think that's one of the things that makes it really uncomfortable and why people get so defensive is because nobody wants to recognize that they're not the hero of their own story on a day-to-day -day basis or hour-to-hour -hour basis. Um, and that, you know, that, that comes with some humility and some practice um, in, in really figuring out how do we recognize when we're not the hero of, you know, the story. And does that mean that we have to be stuck in that role of not being the hero of our own story? What can we do about it? How can we better that? Um, you know, I, I, I will be the first one to say I am racist, right? And, and there's, you know, many people who say, you know, I'm not racist. And if you have found that that's the narrative in your head, you have work to do. We all have biases, we all have prejudice, and they are ingrained in us just from experiences that we've had, from misinformation, from negativity, right? It's just our brains rapid firing faster than we can kind of control at times, just those like gut reactions in our mind. Um, and so we all will have those, those inclinations. And it's just a matter of figuring out, you know, how can we slow those down? How can we put more information in our brain so that as it rapid fires, it's just better informed? Um, because the, the, the beauty and the curse of bias is that it's not going anywhere. There is no cure, which means, you know, one, it's never going to go away. And two, we always have to work towards bettering ourselves because of it, which I think is a really wonderful challenge that we get to have. That is correct. And as you said, it's not going anywhere. And I love how you just have that moment of honesty where you're where you can say, I have biases, I mm -hmm. am prejudiced. And you say, I am racist, because a lot of people that's like, oh, no, I don't want to admit that. Because if I admit it, then that means something is wrong with me. But I like how you said we all want to be the heroes of our stories. And we find that when we all want to be, to me, the heroes of the story, we leave out so many of those great teaching moments, as you said, because right. life is not always everyone's feeling their best. We're doing our best. We have our best moments. And when we peel back those layers and we get transparent, we share the struggles we have. And even in these ways, sharing our biases and talking them through and learning from them and seeing how we can do better. That is how we kind of grow and develop in character and become better human beings. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when you think about the heroes, you know, or the protagonists of stories, you know, traditionally, they, they hog the spotlight, right? And so how much opportunity do we have to learn from smaller characters that play roles in furthering stories along? And so in our lives, if we are always in the spotlight, if we are always the hero of our story, how much opportunity are we taking to listen to others around us who are heroes in our lives by playing the roles of, of who they are authentically. That is correct. Because just as you said, it's always all about the protagonist. So it's <laughs> great to be able to hear the backstories and those side stories that go on. And that is where we really can truly start to learn. Absolutely. If you are enjoying this show, feeling inspired and motivated, learning something new, or just want to show some love, please do me a favor and help me spread the word. 
screenshot this episode and share your favorite takeaways in your Instagram stories. I am truly growing my Instagram and I want you there on the journey with me as we continue to grow and build. Don't forget to tag me at Lawan Moses so that I can share your share. Each time you share this show, it helps me to reach more and more moms just like you. Don't keep this greatness to yourself. Tell a mama you know about the More Than a Mother podcast today. Remember, motherhood is a universal experience and we are all in this together. So when we're talking about biases and the need to recognize them so that we can learn and educate ourselves and grow through them, become better human beings, what are some kind of steps that people can take? Because a lot of people may be like, okay, I know I have these biases, but I don't know what to do with them. Sure. I think, I mean, honestly, that's probably the first step is just recognizing that you have biases um, and and kind of being able to, to humble yourself to the point of saying, you know, we all say like, oh, I'm not perfect, right? But but what does that actually mean? Can we drill down and recognize where we have opportunities to grow and to learn? So I think that that is, you know, one of the main steps is can we recognize that we have biases or that we are biased or racist or, or whatever it may be? Um, and, and then the next is really to figure out how to recognize those biases as they pop up organically. Um, because those are going to be your best learning opportunities. And one of the kind of tips or tricks that I have learned along the way um, in, in kind of ABAR education and, and growing this with my children and having these scaffolded conversations with our family is what surprises you? So when you're in a situation with a new person or a new culture or a new language, whatever it may be, what is it um, that kind of uh, kind of takes you back for a moment. Um, and the reason that that is a really good indication is it's telling you that you had a different expectation going into it. So when it kind of takes your breath away or your eyebrows go up or you, you know, kind of cock your head like, wait, what? You know, when you're, when you're kind of taken off guard for a moment, it's helpful to think, why did that surprise me, right? Why was that not my original expectation? Um, and where did my original expectation, where was that rooted in? Where was that rooted from? Um, so that that is a helpful thing at times when you have negative feelings towards someone or an experience or a situation, whatever it may be. Um, sometimes it's helpful to, to figure out why did I have a different expectation or, or, or thoughts going into that so that when it wasn't that way, it caught me off guard. Um, and then lastly, you know, like I mentioned, our, our brain is just doing its best with what it's got. So it's just a naturally occurring thing for us to have those snap judgments. Our brain is expected to work, you know, in real time, if not faster. Um, and so the best thing we can do is just feed it more information uh, that's well-researched, well-informed, um, authentic, original. And that way, as it makes those snap judgments, it's it just has better data to go off of and we're less likely to um, kind of revert back to things that have maybe been less informed or, you know, things from our childhood that maybe we didn't completely understand at the time or things that were hearsay or, um, you know, hyperbolized on the news and things like that. So if we can really be intentional about what we feed our minds around understanding other um, cultures or 
lifestyles or genders or whatever it may be, then we give our brains a better shot at combating those biases in the first place. That's good. And I like how you put it as our brains are doing the best that they can. And so that we're not really beating ourselves up when we have those kind of snap judgments or those surprise moments. It's this is what we've grown to learn through, whether it was our own upbringing or messages that we've seen. This is what our brain has taken in. Right. But then, as you said, you become cognizant, you become aware of it, and you can start to feed your brain with the correct information and change Mm -hmm. the way that you are doing your thinking. And that is good to be able to have that self-awareness to say, okay, I'm in this situation. What is surprising me? And I think that Mm -hmm. self-awareness plays such an important part in so many things that we do. And I never really even thought about it in being in a situation where your bias or prejudice may come up to kind of stopping and doing like that self-awareness check. Okay, what about this situation is surprising me? Why am I feeling this way? And then Mm -hmm. as you said, start to learn and get that correct information. So then next time when you're in a situation, you're kind of replacing that old tape with the new tape and the correct information. Right, right. So much of combating bias and racism is unlearning, right? And so I think the more we we learn correct information, naturally we get to unlearn incorrect information. It's it's kind of a, a natural progression. Yes, that is correct. So tell me more about what you're doing with Mighty Kind Kids. Yeah, so Mighty Kind uh, took shape as a quarterly print publication. Um, We wanted to kind of mirror the goal of having this be a continual conversation, knowing that, you know, anti-bias, anti-racist work is not a one and done. You don't get to check it off your list at some point. Um, and so the, the nature of having a magazine recurring in your mailbox is kind of an ongoing reminder of, hey, we need to continue to talk about these things and keep them on the forefront of our minds. Um, and so we are incredibly, incredibly blessed to be able to work with dozens of, of contractors from around the world, whether they're illustrators or designers or authors or, um, you know, journalists or just experts we get to interview, kids who are doing amazing things that we get to spotlight and interview as well. Um, But we really try with Mighty Kind, one of our main focuses is amplifying other voices. Um, So oftentimes when we, you know, sit at the virtual table, because our team is spread across five time zones, when we sit at the virtual table and kind of flush out a table of contents, um, it really is, you know, whose voice has traditionally not been at this table? Whose stories are unheard that need to be amplified? And how do we make sure that we get those um, involved in a way that they feel safe um, and authentic in their representation? So that's really the goal with Mighty Kind is you know, anti-bias, anti-racist work can be really, really heavy. Um, it can be uh, hard to kind of wrestle with and, and you know, like thick mud to wade through because um, allyship can either be performative or it can be uncomfortable. There's very little middle ground. Um, and so we try and make sure that while we allow kids the space to grapple with things and feel a little uncomfortable in self-checks or getting familiar with something that otherwise may have made them feel uncomfortable or something's different or weird or gross or whatever it may be, we try and just reflect the world as it currently is without valuation and just present opportunities to celebrate differences. 
Um, and, and it's been such a joy and such a pleasure to hear and see so many different stories come to life and so much feedback as far as what people are, are learning and how they're implementing it and the conversations they get to have, you know, stemming from it. Um, and I've, I've, of everybody, you know, probably myself and, and our editor, Rachel, who's, who's incredible, we've probably learned the most. And, and so it's been um, such, a, such a wonderful journey. And I like how you are amplifying those voices and having those conversations, as you said, as those that don't really typically have the voice or have the seats at the table and who are often unheard. Now, I imagine with the racial climate that has been in the United States forever, but particularly with all the media attention that's been happening over over this past year, particularly in 2020, I imagine that gave you a lot of teaching moments. And I like how you said that because it is heavy, this topic, it is a heavy topic, but it sounds like you have found a way to kind of make it work so that you're getting the information across without being so heavy. Back by popular demand, my course, Balancing the Busy, How to Manage Family, Business, and All the Things is here for you. And I am so excited to announce that for the month of December, my course will be available for you for 50% off when you use the code CHRISTMAS. I know the end of the year, going into the new year, we are all about setting goals and priorities. And I want to help you do that with my course, Balancing the Busy. Inside this course, you are going to learn how to clear some things off your plate, set your priorities and boundaries. I'll give you some exact phrases, tools and strategies on how to say no. And we are going to tackle that pesky mom guilt. So inside the course, you're going to have the worksheets and templates and everything you need so that you can start to balance the busy in your life. So head over to my website, LawanMoses.com, and grab Balancing the Busy, How to Manage Family, Business, and All the Things for 50% off for the month of December. Don't forget to use that code CHRISTMAS. So if we're talking about the times with everything that's happened with George Floyd and all the other police murders and things like that, how are you able to take those topics and kind of deliver them so that you're educating but not giving that heaviness, so to speak? Sure. So I will say, you know, the content that we develop um, is a little unique for, for um, you know, a publication like a magazine in that it's timeless content. So we don't particularly focus on current events so that they can refer back to these as resources ongoing, ongoing. Um, but what we will say, or what we have said with, um, you know, like social media and, and you know, our, our online communities, that's, a, that's obviously a little bit more timely, um, is we need to be unequivocal in our stance. And we have to lead by example as a brand, you know, as individuals within our organization and things like that. Um, and that includes, you know, admitting that we're not perfect, admitting that we've made mistakes um, and and educating ourselves. And so to, to kind of bring this work into a kid-friendly space where they don't feel like they're afraid to make mistakes or afraid to hurt someone or afraid to take steps forward. Um, and even in, a lot of adults have that fear, right? It's like, I don't want to say the wrong thing and be, you know, quote unquote canceled, right? Or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, we try and just make it a really safe space where we say, here are some general guidelines that we've been given by an own voice representative of this community or this, you know, um, this people or country or culture, whatever it may be. Um, take this, 
and learn from it and be willing to listen when someone has um, something different to say or a different expectation. Um, and, and that way, the fear of messing up kind of gets washed away, right? Like it doesn't have to be prevalent. We should be aware, but it doesn't have to be prevalent. And we really focus on kindness and compassion. So really building those empathy muscles in kids from a young, young, young age. So the goal being, you know, if we're raising empathetic global citizens, then naturally that lends its way into being anti-racist, being anti-biased. Um, so that's that's our kind of spin on it, if you will, is like, let's focus on being kind in a way that is not performative. You know, we can all smile and open doors and, you know, things like that. But what can we actually do that's impactful and maybe just slightly uncomfortable in order to allow other people the space of comfort, of peace, of um, representation and things like that. I like that angle of going from kindness and building empathetic global citizens because I agree with you that if we do that at a younger age, then things, I think we will see things that will kind of naturally start to progress and change and we'll see that change that we all so much desire to see right now. Yeah. And, you know, with this, with this digital age, you know, Zoom has brought many faces back, but social media has wiped a lot of faces away, right? There's a lot of faceless voices on, you know, the internet and, and, you know, in this digital world. And we've kind of lost empathy because of it. You know, it's, it's kind of degenerated over, you know, the last few decades of, are we really empathetic to those on the other side of the computer monitor I'm having this conversation with or who's sharing their story or whatever it may be. And, you know, I can only assume that things are just going to get more digital over time. Like all all signs point to this is not going anywhere um, away anytime soon. And so how do we make sure that children have the opportunity to keep or bring back humanity into the everyday conversation? Yes, because definitely I never even thought about it as social media wiping away, wiping away faces, because as you said, we have those, as they call them, those Internet trolls that are out there where Mm -hmm. people hide behind the computers. And so there's the bullying and all of those different things. And it's so easy to just spread those messages and lose sight of that empathy because they are hiding behind a computer. So no one knows who you are. And then it's the thing of always being connected. Right. You're always connected. Like I was having a conversation with someone, I think last week, and we were talking about just the different with us being children and going through school and like dealing with bullying and all of those things. But the difference was we could disconnect. Like we knew when we came home, that was a safe space. We didn't have to deal with it perhaps until the next day. But Mm -hmm. the children these days being connected 24 seven, there's really no escape for them. Right. Right. No, that's so true. And, you know, how do we make sure that, you know, our homes or our classrooms or our community centers can can become safe havens again? Right. How do we make sure children understand that, you know, you're allowed to disconnect, you know, And, and I think that that's maybe a whole nother conversation. But I do think it plays into, you know, our biases can also stem from our self-consciousness and that's very much influenced by the world around us and the communities that we participate in for better or for worse. And so how do we allow kids to be kind and compassionate towards themselves so they can be confident allies? You know, it's, it's like the putting the oxygen mask on, right? How do we make sure our children know that it's okay to prioritize their own 
mental health and emotional well-being so that they can become advocates for others. That is so true. It definitely is. And I think that with more education that we have, and as you're doing this work through the magazine, and then more and more things that pop up, that there will be the messages that come from the different angles so that even as the internet and social media and everything continues to grow, it is my hope that publications like yours and other people are entering that digital space so that you can start to spread that positivity, spread that kindness, and let people know that, okay, yes, although this is what's happening in front of you, here are ways that you can handle it. Here's how we can educate ourselves so that we can all show up as better human beings, even if we're on the other side of a computer screen. Sure. No, absolutely. I, I would I would love to see that. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's my hope. I'm one of those people. I am so hopeful. And I believe that the more and more people do good, the more it will spread. Because the same way, I think the same way negativity spreads, positivity can do it also. We just have to continue to just push hard, harder for it, I will say. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Do you want immediate access to new episodes, products, events, and even free tips, tools, and strategies delivered straight to you? Well, join the More Than a Mother community today. Head on over to LawanMoses.com and become a part of our community right now. That's www.lawannmoses.com. I can't wait to see you inside my community. Aside from motherhood, what would you say has been the most rewarding part of your life journey so far? I think figuring out where my passions lie and having the confidence in myself and giving myself the permission to pursue them. Um, and it used to be despite motherhood, as far as like, I can, I can balance both these things. I can juggle, I can have it all, you know, whatever. But instead it was, it has evolved into um, pursuing those passions because of motherhood, um, where my identity as a, as a woman, Nadine, a woman, a wife, a mother, a, you know, student, business owner, entrepreneur, all of those things, that they all matter. Um, and, uh, and I wanted my children to not just get lip service from me in saying like, you can be anything you want to be, you know, and then have the unspoken dot, dot, dot be until you're a mom and then you've got to sacrifice everything. Right. So I really, for, for me, it was giving myself permission to pursue my dreams, not just because, you know, um, I could, right. Like I can juggle all the things, but because I owed it not only to myself, but to my children to show them what it looks like to, you know, go after something that is challenging and difficult and rewarding and exciting and emotional and all, all of the things that come with entrepreneurship. Um, and so that, that for me has been, um, a, a really rewarding kind of upswing chapter in my life that is, has yet to, to close out, but really, um, really has, has shifted my mindset. That's awesome. And that is the basis for why I started this podcast to share those stories. And so that we could show those other mothers who are out there that have all these identities, but feel it has to be a kind of one or other situation that know you can have all your identities at the same time, pursue your passions and your dreams and goals. And I love how you said you were able to give yourself permission because I think that is such an important part 
of everything that we do when we start to pursue our dreams and goals and all that we do in life is to give ourselves that permission, know that it's okay, and then also live by example for our children. Yeah. And it's been, especially this last year during the pandemic with all four of my kids, you know, breathing the same air as me 24 seven. It has been, you know, an interesting new kind of juggle, right? Where before it was uh, a little bit more predictable or uh, a little bit, I, we had a little bit more options as far as, you know, childcare or, you know, museum passes or things like that, that offered some relief in, in different ways. Um, but very quickly, there's this analogy of, you know, as, as a woman, I'm juggling, right? But some of the balls are glass and some of the balls are plastic. And so it really is about where are our, priori- our priorities and, you know, how to make sure as we're juggling that those are the glass balls that we keep up in the air. And so it's, it's interesting to take, you know, personal inventory, you know, weekly or monthly or quarterly, whatever it may be, and say, which, which of these are my glass balls that I have to absolutely keep up in the air? And which are the ones that are okay to drop every once in a while because they're not going to shatter? They may bounce for a few minutes, but I can pick them back up and, and re- integrate them into into this juggle um, of life. And that's been that's been very helpful for my mental health, if nothing else. Um, But hopefully other things too, but but definitely my mental health as far as I cannot stress about the plastic balls at the expense of the glass ones. I really like that. I've never heard anyone break it down that way in terms of glass balls and plastic balls. But I really like that because I get the visual image of making sure that glass doesn't break within, okay, letting the plastic fall and it's okay. It'll bounce right. back. I'll pick it up later. So I really like that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? If my kids have cereal for dinner three nights in a row because I'm swamped with meetings, that's a plastic ball, you know? Exactly. <laughs> the next night I can cook dinner and everyone will be just fine, you know, whatever it may be. But but it is just, just for women, especially, we put so much pressure on ourselves um, in addition to the pressure that the outside world puts on us. And so it's just helpful to, to have that perspective. It most definitely is. Well, thank you, Nadine, for joining me today. This was truly a great interview. If you could just share with the audience where they can connect with you and find you online. Yes, we are at mightykindkids.com. And then across social media, our handle is at mightykindkids. Wonderful. And I'll be sure to link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you again for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and most importantly, share this episode with all of your mom friends. Let's continue to grow our mom community and support each other. Remember, together, we've got this.